this too shall pass, which is what we talk to our clients about all the time. I mean, it's the idea that you're strong and we can get through this. Check, check, check. This is. This is. This is. Life. 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 Life well learned. Life well learned. Life well learned. This is Life Well Learned. On today's episode of Life Well Learned, we're going to talk about the unifying factor that is COVID-19. Because of this global pandemic, we are all living a new normal. And that can be a difficult adjustment, especially with how quickly it's happened. So making sure that we're still taking care of ourselves is a huge importance to maintain our mental health. So we're going to start at the beginning and what emotion that a lot of us might be feeling. And that's anxiety. For that, let's go to our expert. Lindsay Rickard, Director of Training at Best Self Behavioral Health. So what exactly is anxiety? In episode four of Life Well Learned, we focused on stress and how it's different than anxiety. So now let's focus a little bit more on anxiety. So anxiety is an interesting concept. So right now, a lot of people are experiencing what they would consider anxiety. Might be symptoms of maybe increased worry, racing thoughts. We talk about it from a clinical aspect, but a lot of people might be experiencing it more from stress-induced at this point. So I think it's important to talk a little bit about people who have anxiety disorders, which has been something they've struggled with for a really long time, versus individuals right now who are experiencing more anxiety from a stress-induced piece that's happening right now. So to differentiate between the two, stress is something that usually is triggered externally. So when we look at anxiety, that's usually an internal type of thing that's happening. So people can experience both right now, um, but I think it's important to realize that when we're looking at stress-induced anxiety, that that's something that'll pass. So we might be able not to control what's happening externally, but we can control how we're reacting to that situation in some ways. And motions overall don't last forever too. So that's really important to remember right now. Okay, so to recap, stress is a response to a threat or an action, whereas anxiety is our reaction to that stress. So what Lindsay is saying is a lot of people are reacting to the stress of the global pandemic. Therefore, the reaction is that anxiety. Correct. Right. So it's important to remember that there's always throughout our lives incidences that happen. So it could be natural disasters, death in a family, maybe a change in job. If we're looking at stress and anxiety and it's something outside of our control, it's more of how we're coping with that feeling. So recognizing it, um, making sure we're okay with saying it's okay. Yes, you're having that emotion. That's completely acceptable. And then what other tools do we already have that we can help deal with that? And a lot of people still have tools in their toolbox they've been using from before. Okay, recognizing that you're having these feelings, these emotions, that's important, knowing that everyone's probably having those too. COVID-19, this global pandemic, it's affecting everyone. So acknowledge that you're having these emotions. And then the first thing is I always tell people try not to squash it down. Um, so a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed right now and they're feeling anxiety. And sometimes depending on who you're around, if you're at work. Yes, we do have to put on a strong face, quote unquote, but who can you talk to? Um, maybe we have to social distance and be away from people, but can we chat with somebody, video chat, give them a call? Um, just honor that emotion that you're having that right there. If you try to push it down, it just is going to hide and make it worse. And then the second thing is what can you do to make yourself feel safe in that moment? Um, so we talk about a skill in therapy called grounding. Um, so that just means looking around the room around you in that moment and what can bring you into that moment. So one of the simplest techniques 
techniques is we call it five to one, which just is looking at what's around the room. Can you name five things that are, um, it's five things you can see, um, maybe three things or four things you can hear, three things you can smell, two things you can touch, one thing you can taste if you're eating candy or chocolate or something like that. So it's really just using those skills to be in the moment. And then after that, can you take a self-care break for a moment? Um, maybe that is doing a breathing exercise. Maybe it's just wash, walking to the bathroom, washing your hands, and doing something that helps you feel safe in that moment. During these uncertain times, it's easy to get lost in the panic, in the what-ifs. So by grounding yourself, and as Lindsay says, living in the moment, you're taking yourself out of that situation and bringing yourself into what you can control the moment. Yeah, so it's really about staying in the moment and then looking at those things that you had as coping mechanisms and being flexible. So if you were somebody who was a gym person who liked going to the gym three times a week, how can you adapt your new routine to something different? Can you go for a hike? Um, obviously not with a group of people, but find one of our beautiful public parks, take a walk. Can you log on YouTube if you have that internet? Can you do some sort of follow along workout online? Um, there's a lot of apps out there as well that are providing free resources. So it's how can we be innovative and a little bit flexible, but still try to use those tools that we have before. Even though flexible routine sounds like an oxymoron, it could be the key to helping you prevent anxiety from these new normals. You had a routine before. Please try to stay to that routine as much as possible. That really will help your body from a biological standpoint. Um, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time. If you have kids now that are at home and you're working from home, trying to keep some sort of routine. Keeping in mind too for parents out there that you're probably not going to be able to do a fully structured day of classroom like the schools were doing. If you have little kids, it's usually going to be a couple hours. Middle schoolers, maybe you're looking at three hours. High schoolers, a little bit more. But how can you incorporate other things? How can you make your workspace comfortable? Um, and so when you're looking at that, keep that structure, keep that routine if you can. The other piece of that is those self-care pieces like we were talking about before. So if you did exercise, make sure you're going out and doing something that's exercise if you can and you're safe in the public, social distancing, work from home, do some workouts in your living room, uh, play with the kids. Um, run around with them outside if you have a yard and you're available for those things. So making sure we're staying active and making sure we're staying to those routines is really helpful. You can actually learn more about parenting through the pandemic when it comes to your kids' schoolwork and their routines in our previous episode called Parenting Through a Pandemic that you can find where you found this one, lifewelllearn.org or wherever you get your podcast. Back to routines. Notice how they're just as important in your kid's life as they are in your life. And another thing that can help is when talking about the routine is to make sure you're still trying to separate your work and your personal life. There's a couple of ways you can do this. If you have a space where you can make it dedicated that mirrors what you're doing at work, super important. So if you have a desk with a chair in a quiet spot, that's really important. If that means shutting the door and putting a desk in your bedroom, um, it's really important that you're not just chilling on the couch. Even, I know people are probably going to respond to this, but get up and get dressed. Um, it's that whole mindset of staying in the routine. So maybe not staying in your PJs for extended periods of time. Uh, if you took a shower in the morning, do your shower routine, have your coffee, do those types of things to keep yourself in that mindset. We can probably work out a negotiation on the pajama situation, but like Lindsay says, it's important to stick to the routine, the whole routine, in trying to maintain that work-life balance while you're under one roof. The smallest thing, like taking a shower and putting on real clothes, could be the difference in being able to get into that work mind and not be distracted by home life. Okay, we've touched on you and your kids, but what about the senior population? What about your parents or grandparents? 
What can you be doing for them? Please do not not check on them. Um, if you are sick, obviously stay away. Please isolate. Don't be near them because that is a high vulnerable population. But we can do a lot to help them. So if you have a teenager in your household who is close to grandma, grandpa, or whoever is in your life, like have them Skype with them, FaceTime with them, teach them something that they can get online. Um, if you haven't introduced them yet to Netflix, um, have them set up, give them some suggestions. If you have somebody who's super against technology, maybe that can be a person that gives you a phone call and you put in that order online to order them stuff and drop off supplies and things like that. We have a lot of great businesses still open doing delivery. Um, so making sure that we're able to follow up with that as well is important. And also just doing check-ins. So I have a couple of friends who have already set up with their siblings like you do the morning check-in call I'll do the afternoon check-in call just again to make sure you're touching base um, you can even if they're apprehensive to being checked in use it as an excuse I had them say like oh the grandkids want to talk to you and things like that as well so not so much that you're checking in on them but we're just including them again because it can be very isolating also as another note please be aware for individuals with dementia and early onset Alzheimer's and things like that this can be a very dangerous time for those individuals so making sure that we're following up and that you might have have some emergency plan in place, um, just planning if you get sick, is there another person in your chain of command that can follow up with that individual? Bottom line is make sure they stay at home, but not feel alone. So check in with them, even if you have to trick them into taking the call. So the other thing with seniors is right now, um, a lot of the online video platforms have also made it free to sign up accounts. So you have video platforms like Skype and Zoom. Um, why not use those and utilize that for FaceTime if you don't have a smartphone? Um, if an uh, elder or someone who's older has a computer with internet, that might be another way to use that. I know a lot of individuals were saying the elderly population might still have flip phones or kind of modified phones. So if you have a computer and you can drop them off a laptop with with a video camera, then you could utilize that as well. You've probably already noticed that during this time, FaceTime and video conferencing has soared. From staff meetings to happy hours, people are using this to be able to have that human interaction, that face-to-face -face connection that they aren't able to have out in the world. So make sure you include your elders if you can. Being able to see you or their grandchildren or even their friends could really brighten their day. So we've kind of set the groundwork on how to set up a situation at home, how to make sure you're still taking care of yourself by following routines and setting up some structure. But how are we dealing with all of this? How are we making sure that our children are okay? We're going to touch on that next on Life Well Learned. So we know keeping to a routine is really important, not just for yourself, but your kids. That's going to help you maintain a balance of what you know versus your new normal. But how should we be talking about this, right? There's a lot happening in this outside world that's out of our control. What should we be telling our kids? How should we be telling our kids? Depends on their age completely. Um, so it's what is appropriate for that age area. So what I say mostly is, is first kind of checking in with them. If you have little ones, they might not know what's going on. Talk about hygiene. It's the same conversation you always have about hygiene. Um, for your maybe getting a little bit older, talking, walking, obviously school age kids, have that conversation with them. What have they heard? What haven't they heard? And then see where they're at with it. We are allowed to educate kids on this. And I think it's important that we also talk to them about not bullying individuals and the stigma that can come attached to this. 
it's an illness just like anything else. So we talk about care, what can they do to help out, and making sure that they feel comfortable. A lot of this will come with anxieties and concerns and stressors. Kids are impacted by this. They see it on social media, they see it on TV. If you can try to limit their involvement with exposure to what's going on, it's a lot of information for a little mind that might overload them, but definitely keep them involved. I mean, if it's a conversation of what risks they're gonna have, be honest with them for what their age level is and make sure that you're checking in on their emotions and self-care as well. So having a conversation with your kids about what's going on is okay. You should. So they have a better understanding of why they're doing the things they're doing. But as far as Lindsay talks about checking in on their emotions, what should you be looking for that might be signs that they need a little bit of help? Behavioral shifts. Oftentimes, little ones are not great at telling us how they're feeling. That comes from training over time of us giving them words and labels for those emotions. So if they're acting out when you're having conversations or if it's something that's outside of their normal activities, like if they're self-isolating and they're normally a really joyous child who's bouncing all over the place or vice versa. If you have a child who's usually very normally self-regulated, emotion-regulated, and they start to have outbursts, be aware of those things and ask them what's going on. Ask them if they can label that emotion or even body symptomology. So we oftentimes talk to children about like, where are you feeling the emotion if they don't have a name? So things like an upset stomach might be anxiety or stress, or maybe their head hurts. Sometimes you'll say their chest is tight, things like that. So you can ask them about body symptoms too and see Obviously, unfortunately, that's also a symptom of the coronavirus, the chest tightness, but talking to them about that and also having them be aware. Maybe if they are starting to get symptoms of feeling sick, um, making sure we talk to them about them telling, telling you as a parent, it's okay to tell you and talk to you and have that conversation. Making sure your child is emotionally okay is important. And when you're gearing up to talk to them about it or you're monitoring, looking for those cues, it's also important to keep in mind how you are. When you show anxiety, kids can pick up on that. So you have to make sure you're in the right place. Yes. And we were just talking about this this morning. So I would think the most important thing is what I was mentioning before. Like you still want to be up to date as a parent or a caregiver and making sure that you're following up the media. But kids are very, very in tune to how you're reacting and responding. So you might want those updates when the kids aren't in the room and then be aware of your body language to those updates. Um, when you're having the conversations with the kids, make sure you're in the right mindset before you go in. Maybe you do some self-care before you have that conversation. We've talked about self-care several times in the episode. Right now might be a good time to pause and rewind a little bit to explain self-care. Basically, it's making sure you're okay. You're in a good mental headspace. That means bringing you back down to zero leveling out, maybe getting a good restart. And there are several ways to do this. It all comes down to what works for you. So one of the major things, um, breathing exercises, I think is great because you don't need anything with you and you can do them wherever. There's a bunch of apps out there that are free that you can use. Calm.com has a free app. There's a Headspace or you could just Google or YouTube. There's a bunch of breathing ones. The biggest one I talk to people about is just pick a number between one and five, breathe in for that amount of time, breathe out for that amount of time and just get yourself a second. It might be getting a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just disconnecting for a moment. I know that it's very hard right now not to want constant updates, but it might be take 10 minutes away from that right now and set it down. Another thing could be just maybe it's taking a shower, locking yourself in the bathroom, using your favorite shampoo, conditioner, something like that often can be relaxing. People don't realize how tense they get. So maybe helping with those types of things. But most people, I would say whatever you do when you're stressed out for a regular event, that coping skill is different for everybody. So just Think about what you've done in the past, what's helped you recenter, and then use those again now in this really stressful time. Self-care for you is one thing. 
You know what makes you feel better. You know what can relax you. But how does that translate for your kids? This is a difficult time for them as well. And self-care for them might be completely different from self-care for you. How do you kind of foster that environment so they can find their own ways to self-care? Yeah, give them multiple options. I think that's important. Again, that choice piece to let them be part of the conversation. We don't want to just be like, go read a book. Maybe that kid doesn't really like reading. I mean, breathing exercises are really important. Um, there's a bunch of guided mindfulness things on YouTube. You can Google just for children. And I think that's really great to utilize. Any activity that really takes the worry away from a child and puts them in that present moment. A lot of kids do also need to get that energy out, being at home, being cooped up. So maybe putting on an exercise video or something that they can follow along with. There are a lot of kids driven ones. If you have a nice outside space, have them go outside, maybe give them something to do a scavenger hunt, <laughs> give them something like find me five leaves or something in the yard, something fun that they can do interactively as well. If you have older kids, journaling is a huge one for a lot of adolescents, even young adults. They like being able to express their emotions that way without talking to somebody. For our younger ones, maybe it's playing a game. You have a lot of digital apps now. They can play online with another friend. Um, sometimes it's just taking a break. That could be going laying down, taking a nap. Maybe it's just going in their bedrooms and laying down for a couple seconds, just kind of calming down. Also, for a lot of kids, it's getting that stress out. So maybe if they're emotional, letting them cry. Oftentimes, parents want to say, like, it's going to be fine. Stop crying. It's okay. Sometimes kids need to get those emotions out, just letting them cry and comforting them, but also reminding them that they can ask for help. That's a big piece. So if they can't think of their own coping skills, help brainstorm with them of what's helpful for your child. Basically, it depends on your child. Maybe they need to work off the energy by being alone and de-stressing in a calm manner, or they need to run around like a hooligan in the backyard. Let them know that they do have options and they can try different things. And talking to them about it might help you both reach that conclusion sooner. One of the other struggles that parents are having with their kids is that dual role. Now you're in charge of their education and trying to be their mom, their dad, their guardian. Is there a line that you have to draw when you're trying to handle both of those roles? First and foremost, I would say to parents out there who are not teachers, don't be so hard on yourself. You're not a trained educator. The second thing is be thankful and grateful. That's a great thing to be grateful for is that we have teachers and we have a great education system. I think sometimes the teachers don't get the credit that they deserve and a lot of parents are seeing that now that kids are at home. But the biggest piece is, is again, be flexible. If you had a set time, it's important to stick to a time and a routine. But if your child's experiencing anxiety and symptoms around stressors, you can take a break from that. So that dual role of being a parent is no really different than if you taught your kid how to tie their shoes or you taught them how to walk, right? You might have taught them how to swim. A lot of parents end up teaching their kids how to read or at least starting to read at home. So you have experience in that. Take some sort of credit that you helped educate your child in some way before this and pull on those skills. I don't necessarily think you need to have like a, I have my teacher hat on now and I'm not mom or dad or caregiver in that situation. It's more about let's figure out what you want to work on this week. So also giving the kid a choice like, hey, are you interested in doing math right now? Okay, great. Now what we can do together around that topic and that task. Um, it shouldn't be necessarily a forced or coerced type of education piece that would make for a very hostile living environment with everybody all at home right now. So be flexible, give them some time, um, and just respect your boundaries for what that looks like. Giving yourself a break and flexibility, those are two key factors in being able to manage that dual role. But don't forget, Life Well Learned has a whole episode on parenting through the pandemic in regards to education. It was the episode before this, and you can find it at lifewelllearned.org or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I do think one thing that would help is trying to find positivity in the situation. But with an unknown ending, how do we keep that positivity or that hope going? Staying in the present moment. Um, it's something we talk about all the time. When there's something outside of our control, we oftentimes will catastrophize is the word we use clinically. Um, we make it bigger than it might be in this present moment. Yes, we are in a pandemic right now. There's a lot of stressors going on, but again, outside of our external control. So can you focus on the present moment, what we can control in this present moment, and using that mindset to still find little joys in life. So it's springtime. I just saw that there's some blooms blooming outside. I was able to walk down the street without my winter jacket 10 seconds ago. So using those little things, uh, maybe it's even the joy of just being able to spend more time with your kids. There are silver linings in some of this. So if we can stay in the present moment, focus on the things we're grateful for. Maybe that's your health. Maybe it's getting to hang out with your cat more. Whatever that looks like, trying to keep in that positive mindset's really important at this time. And that doesn't mean we don't have moments of anxiety or stress. It means that those things can happen at the same time. And it's really shifting our focus on what we can control in this moment. We've spent this whole episode talking about why we may be experiencing anxiety for the first time or greater than we have in the past. And even though we've given you tools to prevent or kind of cope with it, it doesn't mean that this is a fix or everyone's solution. I think it's really important at this time if anyone is feeling like they are overwhelmed by emotions right now or are having thoughts of ending their lives, even if it's just flickering thoughts to realize that that's completely normal. One in four people in the United States will be diagnosed with a mental health condition within their lifetime. Um, and right now we're dealing with a very large level of stress and anxiety. Um, if you had maybe mild anxiety previously, this is something that could have pushed you maybe a little bit farther. Please, please reach out. Get professional help if you need it. All of the area's major companies are working towards telehealth. Best Self, as well as a couple of the other larger companies, are now still taking intakes. Those intakes are not in person. They're either via video chat or over the phone. There's also great resources with crisis services here in Erie County. Please feel free to reach out to them. They are 24-7. And also resources with with the Suicide Prevention Hotline nationally as well. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Again, 1-800-273-TALK. You can also text them, which a lot of people don't know that. So to text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, it's 741-741. So reach out to those resources. Um, sometimes people, if they are isolating at home because they have to, or social distancing, and maybe you live by yourself, that can almost be harder than having a family at home. So if you're one of those people, please reach out to one of the agencies, reach out to Crisis Services. 211 is also a great resource. You can call them and they'll link you with one of the agencies agencies as well. And just we're here for people. So we're going to be answering the phone line still. We're still going to be doing intakes. That includes medications as well. So we're continuing to diligently have doctors who are able to do telehealth as well. So reach out to all of those people and take care of yourself in this tough time. It's okay if you're struggling with this and it's okay to ask for help. That's why they're open. They're there for you. They want you to reach out. So just because you may be in self-isolation, doesn't mean you're alone. The one thing that I think I would remind people would just be something that popped into my mind. They use a lot of in different forms in therapy, which is this too shall pass, which from a standpoint of us talking about it is really just seeing that as humans and strength that we have internally to get through things and look at all of the strengths we've overcome in the trials and tribulations we've dealt with in our own personal lives and as a society in the past. So we have the strength. Um, Buffalo is the city of good neighbors and we have been seeing people do really amazing things. So continue to support each other, continue to focus on the present moment and focus that we can get through this and we will. 
To learn more about anxiety through the pandemic and to gain access to free resources specifically designed for COVID-19, visit lifewelllearn.org. There you'll also find numbers to crisis services, the National Suicide Hotline, and other facilities that Lindsay talked about during the podcast. I want to thank our expert, Lindsay Rickard, for joining us on this episode of Life Well Learned. If you haven't yet, make sure you rate and subscribe to us on Google or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Life Well Learned is presented by the Medai College Alumni Association. I'm Liz Mantel, and we'll see you next time.